A 30-year-old woman sat in her office, rubbing her forehead. Ugh, I think I'm about to get another migraine, she thought. This is the worst possible time. I have a huge presentation to give later today that I've spent so many hours working on. I've lost so much sleep over this presentation, and I need to be sharp this afternoon. I have to do something to stop this migraine. Maybe it'll help if I drink coffee? Maybe if I just sit quietly in my office for a little while? I don't know. This is the fifth time this month, and I feel like my migraines are getting worse and worse. I have to do something about this. Welcome to The Hurt by Dr. Mira Kirpaker and Dr. Alobi Patel. We are the female pain docs. This is a platform to contribute to the public discourse on women's pain and general health. We are here to empower women and men to engage in the advancement of their health with discussions of evidence-based medicine, unconventional topics, lifestyle modifications, and more. The views contained in this podcast are our personal views and do not represent the views of our institutions. This does not substitute medical advice. Please be evaluated by a physician if necessary. So welcome back to another episode of The Hurt Podcast, Season 2. So in today's episode, we're going to discuss migraines. Now, this is a pretty huge topic. Migraines affect 12% of the U.S. population overall, and it's more common in women. So 18% of women compared to 6% of men. Now, globally, migraines affect 1% to 2% of the population, so millions of people. And migraine headaches are actually the second most disabling condition worldwide and affect all parts of a person's life, their work, their social life, their health, and their family life. So clearly, this is a topic that's going to affect a lot of our listeners. So what we're going to focus on in today's episode is specifically lifestyle factors that may be worsening or improving your migraine. Now, as you know, we are big on lifestyle medicine, so we want to discuss migraines as they relate to your habits with diet, exercise, sleep, and stress. Essentially, what you can control in your own life to help your headache pain. So let's start by mentioning how migraines are classified and what chronic migraines are. Dr. P? So the International Classification of Headache Disorders, the ICHD, is actually the main source that provides us with the criteria to diagnose migraines. And there are many different types of migraines. Now, to be diagnosed with chronic migraines, you must have at least 15 headache days a month for more than three months. That's important to note because it's not the number of headaches you have a month, but the number of days you have a headache. So you could have three headaches in a month, but if each of those lasts about five days, you would meet the criteria for chronic migraines. And in fact, 2.5% of people that suffer from episodes of migraines eventually end up with chronic migraines every year. And chronic migraines leads to higher disability and other medical and psychiatric issues. It also increases healthcare costs and has a worse quality of life. So if you're listening and you suffer from chronic migraines, we want to discuss what you can do and what you can avoid in your everyday life to help with your pain. Now, Dr. P, before we get into lifestyle modifications, I just want to mention that there are many theories behind why migraines happen. So everything from inflammation, changes in the blood vessels, changes in terms of chemicals in the brain, the sensitivity of receptors in the brain that react to those chemicals, 
hormones, genetics, and more. Now, we can't really get into all of these nuances, but we will talk about some of these things as we break it down into lifestyle modifications. So starting with something that many of us don't get enough of, let's talk about sleep. You are so correct. Okay, so I'll start. So the link between lack of sleep and migraines has been around for centuries, actually. But we still don't know exactly why this happens in terms of the mechanism. However, in terms of insomnia, one to two-thirds of adults have insomnia symptoms, and approximately 10 to 15% of people meet the chronic insomnia diagnosis. And this happens in all ages and races. People with insomnia have a higher risk of developing migraines, and interestingly, people with migraines also have a twofold increased risk of developing insomnia. So it goes both ways. And in fact, those with insomnia not only had more migraines, but also had increased pain with each migraine. So getting good sleep is definitely important to keep those migraine attacks away. Absolutely. In fact, this season, we've done an entire episode on restorative sleep, so check that out to learn more. Now let's move on to exercise. So I think talking about exercise is interesting because there are so many activities we classify as exercise, right? Running, spinning, weightlifting, yoga, so much more. So now most of the studies refer to aerobic exercises. So essentially where you work out your cardiovascular system more than your muscles. And lots of studies have shown links between increased aerobic exercise leading to decrease in migraines. So we've mentioned before how aerobic exercises can be really effective for a lot of different health benefits. Sleep, mood, your heart and lung function, and of course, pain. We've mentioned the importance of exercise for chronic pain conditions like fibromyalgia. But aerobic exercise is also important for migraines. So multiple population-based studies from around the world have shown that aerobic exercise is associated with less migraines. And in fact, in a meta-analysis, aerobic exercise showed a reduction of 22 to 78% of migraine days per month. I mean, it's a pretty wide range, but it still definitely shows a reduction in the migraine days per month. And even looking at migraine medications, studies have shown that the combination of migraine medications plus exercise is much more effective to prevent migraines than just medications alone. Now, some of you may be saying, but exercise actually makes my migraine worse. And you're not completely wrong. So for some individuals, exercise may be a trigger for migraines. So it's definitely important to know your own individual triggers. However, those patients may actually not have migraines, but have primary exercise headaches, or PEH, which is a disorder brought on by and occurring during or after strenuous physical activity. So it's really important to talk to your doctor and really get that clarified. Definitely. Now, going beyond aerobic exercise, there are some studies that have looked at exercises like yoga and tai chi. And basically, those exercises are more for flexibility and coordination. But interestingly, there's promising evidence that these could also be good for treating migraines. We still need a few more studies to really confirm that, but it is a promising start. Now, going back to chronic migraines, chronic migraines are actually associated with more severe symptoms than episodic migraines. So in these patients, exercise therapy is even more important. 
So let's touch on why exercise is helpful with migraine patients. There are honestly so many possible pathways for this. This can be due to the neurotransmitters in the brain, such as endorphins, which are essentially the communication molecules in the brain that increase with exercise. Now, we won't go through the whole pathway, but the release of endorphins during exercise leads to blunting of the pain response, and this in turn leads to less painful migraines. Exercise can help with migraines also due to the reduced inflammation in the body, as well as behavioral or psychological factors. And as always, it really does go back to that biopsychosocial model we keep talking about. And with exercise, there are less overall inflammatory markers in the body, leading to less migraines. So taking all of this information into consideration, researchers have come up with a few recommendations on how to best incorporate exercise into your lifestyle to prevent migraines. Dr. K, do you want to go over some of these recommendations? Absolutely. So for one, like we mentioned, aerobic exercise is preferable. So walking, jogging, spin classes, and more over actual muscle work. Two, the intensity of the exercise should be about moderate intensity, where you're at about 60 to 70% of your maximum heart rate, at least to start with. And then if you're able to tolerate that intensity without triggering a migraine, then you can up it to that full 100%. But slowly, that's kind of the key, slowly. Three, how often you exercise can be anywhere between two to five times a week, But as always, you want to start slow and then work up to it. And lastly, the length of time you exercise should be about 40 to 50 minutes. And it's really important to have a warm-up period before you go into full intensity. So studies have shown that a high-intensity workout with too short a warm-up can trigger migraines. And five, patients and doctors should be aware that it takes time to see the effects of exercise on migraine prevention. So you really have to give it like a full 6 to 12 weeks of consistent exercise to see a difference. So don't give up on it. That was a great summary. Now, of course, these are general recommendations. And what works for you is going to vary for each person. But this is always a great place to start. So now let's switch gears and talk about your diet. There are many foods and drinks that can actually trigger migraines and also even prevent them. And we will get into those shortly. So a dietary trigger is usually classified according to the ICHD, or the International Classification of Headache Disorders, as food or additives where you develop a migraine within 12 hours of ingestion, and then the migraine resolves within 72 hours of ingestion. Now, this is a big topic, and I think this is something that we can talk about often, but we want to go over specific foods and really get into why they can trigger migraines. Yes, so let's start with my favorite chocolate. So I eat chocolate every single day because I just love it so much. So learning about how it causes migraines is definitely a bummer. So chocolate comes from the cacao plant in Mesoamerica, and it contains some compounds that affect blood vessels like amines, phenols, and even caffeine, which we'll talk about separately in a second. Now the data on chocolate causing migraines, it's kind of murky, So some studies show anywhere between 1.4% up to 22.5% of migraine patients who report chocolate as a trigger. And some studies really didn't find a difference between chocolate versus a placebo in triggering migraines. So what it comes down to is that it can vary from individual to individual, but it's something you should be aware of to see for yourself if it's a trigger for you. And next up, we have caffeine. Now, 
We love caffeine, and so do 87% of Americans on a daily basis. In fact, the average daily intake in America is 193 milligrams a day. But in some Scandinavian countries, the average is actually more than 400 milligrams a day, which, by the way, is about four to five eight-ounce cups of coffee per day. But here is where things get really interesting. Caffeine works by interfering with the receptors in the body that can cause your blood vessels to dilate. So instead, your blood vessels constrict or narrow down, which can actually stop the migraine. Surprising, right? That's why caffeine is commonly added to migraine treatment medications to abort that headache or stop that headache. However, here's a caveat. A major study with over 50,000 patients looking at data from over 20 years showed that caffeine intake of more than 540 milligrams a day, so about seven to eight ounces, seven to eight, eight ounce cups a day actually, can increase migraines. And those with the lowest number of migraines were actually those who drank zero to 240 milligrams of caffeine a day. So just hearing that makes sense to me because it's hard to imagine drinking eight cups of coffee a day could be helpful. And the FDA recommends a maximum of 400 milligrams per day, so about four cups of coffee anyway. Now let's talk about dairy, because I love cheese. So studies have found that aged cheese is more likely to trigger migraines than milk or fresh cheeses like cottage cheese and cream cheese. Now ice cream may also be a trigger more than milk, which was seen in another study. Let's switch gears again. So now let's talk about alcohol. And alcohol is definitely noted to be a trigger for migraines. And there are two different kinds of headaches with alcohol. One, there is immediately alcohol-induced headaches, where the headache actually comes on within three hours of ingesting alcohol and then resolves within 72 hours of drinking alcohol. And two, there is a delayed alcohol-induced headache, which is one of the more common types of headaches where the headache develops within the 5 to 12-hour range of drinking. But what kind of alcohol are we really talking about? Wine, beer, and whiskey are all known to have compounds that can affect migraines, much more so than gin or vodka. And we're going to talk about a few of those compounds in a minute, but getting back to alcohol, multiple studies have shown that the most common type of alcohol to trigger a headache is actually red wine. I'm glad you mentioned compounds because that's a common theme here. So what are these foods? You know, we started off by mentioning chocolate. We mentioned dairy. We mentioned alcohol. What do they have in common? So what happens is that they share a lot of the same compounds, tyramine, histamine, and more. So let's discuss some of the common compounds that trigger migraines so that the next time you're looking at food labels, you can better identify what may become a trigger food for you. So let's start with tyramine. Tyramine is an amino acid, which is basically the starting point of what eventually becomes proteins in our body, and that's found in alcohol, dairy, and chocolate. Now, some patients may have a genetic deficiency, which doesn't allow them to properly break down tyramine. So when they can't break it down and process it, it builds up as they're eating these triggering foods, and this can lead to migraines. And another one is histamine a chemical in the body that is released by the white blood cells when trying to fight an allergic reaction. So a genetic deficiency or a lack of these can make it so you can't break down histamine properly when eating similar foods. And then you can develop not only migraines, but also shortness of breath, diarrhea, 
itching, sneezing, and more. Next up, we have nitrites. So interestingly, in the 70s, the term hot dog headaches was coined, which referred to headaches caused by eating meat. And the culprit here was actually nitrites, which are compounds used as preservatives for meats. Now, these nitrites go through a series of chemical reactions to modify the pain pathways in the brain, leading to an increase in migraines. So this is definitely something to watch out for if you consume a lot of meat-based products with preservatives. Exactly. And another one is aspartame, another amino acid. So you may know this as a sugar substitute. It's been approved as a sweetener by the FDA since the 1980s. But one of the major adverse effects of aspartame have been headaches in up to 45% of patients that have experienced side effects of consuming this sweetener. Now, the studies have been mixed for migraines when comparing aspartame to placebo, with some studies showing that it did lead to migraines, while others showing you know, no difference between aspartame and a placebo. Regardless, it's something to keep in mind when you monitor your own triggers. And then what's the counterpart to sugar? That's right, salt. So the last compound we'll discuss is MSG. I'm sure all of you have heard of MSG. There has been so much controversy surrounding MSG, also known as monosodium glutamate, which is similar to another amino acid and also a salt. So it was first identified in 1908 by a Japanese chemist, Ikeda, and has since been used as a flavor enhancer in fast food and Chinese food. And in fact, the International Criteria of Headache Disorders, again, the ICEHD, classified MSG-induced headaches, which occur within one hour of ingesting MSG and resolves within 72 hours after ingestion. Right, but the data has actually been very similar to aspartame. In other words, conflicting. So we have some studies that have shown headaches developing after ingestion of MSG, which are tightening and burning in nature, and in migraine patients often are also pulsing in nature, but other randomized controlled trials have shown no difference between MSG and placebo in male patients, while some studies have shown a difference with female patients. So if you're a woman with migraines, you may be at risk of developing MSG-related migraines, and this is true of salty diets in general, not just MSG. Studies have shown that a diet low in salt can help with both blood pressure and reducing migraines. And since we're on the topic of diet, let's actually talk about weight, and dieting. So there have been studies that have looked at BMI, or body mass index, and it's linked to migraines. Now, numerous studies have shown that obese individuals have a greater risk of developing chronic migraines from that initial episodic migraines compared to those of normal BMI, particularly among women that are less than the age of 50. And when patients lose weight, and actually some studies have even looked at patients post having weight loss surgery, the number of migraine attacks and the length of each attacks also dropped. So that's a good sign. So you want to make sure that you're kind of maintaining your weight as best as you can. But then on the flip side, that definitely does not mean that you should go hungry or skip meals because fasting can also be a trigger for migraines. In fact, some studies have looked at patients who fast. So, you know, for example, during Yom Kippur for Jewish patients or Ramadan for Muslim patients, and found that fasting put patients at greater risk for developing migraines. And in fact, 39% increased risk for fasting compared to 7% for the non-fasting group. You're absolutely correct. 
There are many nuances to the proper diet, but also to the food intervals. And it's important to note that it's not just about food, but it's also about water. Dehydration can also trigger migraines. And lastly, let's also talk about fat, also known as lipids. Now, several studies have shown that diets low in fat significantly decrease the number and intensity of migraine attacks. But interestingly, a ketogenic diet where the majority of the caloric intake comes from fats rather than carbs has actually been shown as a method of improving migraines. Now, we're not sure exactly why, but it may be due to that shift in calories rather than just consuming extra fatty calories. All right, so that was definitely a lot of information. So the last bit I want to mention in terms of habits is smoking. Now, it's not going to come as a shock to you that smoking has been proven to be detrimental to your health just time and time again. But smoking is also a risk factor not only for migraines, but for chronic pain in general. Those who smoke are actually more sensitive to pain due to the nicotine. And specifically in migraines, nicotine dilates a major artery in the brain, the basilar artery, which can trigger migraine attacks more often. So quit smoking, not only for your overall health, but to help your pain. I 100% agree. Now, let's end this episode by lastly talking about one of my favorite topics, meditation. Do meditation and mindfulness help with migraines? The short answer is yes. Stress is one of the most common triggers for migraines, so stress reduction is equally important to improve migraine symptoms. Mindfulness meditation is one of the best ways to reduce stress. Studies have looked at functional MRIs of the brain with mindfulness meditation and have shown that pathways that reduce pain are activated consistently. Multiple trials have compared mindfulness meditation to regular therapy for migraine patients and have shown that mindfulness meditation significantly reduced the number of headache days per month and headache-related disability. This is absolutely fascinating and just another one of many reasons to consider mindfulness in your daily regimen. So we covered a lot in this episode, so let's put it together. Now, why are all of these different lifestyle factors so important? So just looking at the data, patients who have triggers for their migraines have more disability than those who don't have specific triggers. And the more triggers you have, the more debilitating the migraines can be. So if you can learn your triggers and get ahead of them, your migraines can improve significantly, leading to less disability and just an overall better quality of life. Now, of course, every individual is different, so you should absolutely speak to your doctor and learn what works and what doesn't work for you. So we hope this episode gives you some insight to start that process as you consider your diet, exercise, sleep, and stress. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you in the next episode. We would love to hear your thoughts. Visit our Instagram at thefemalepaindocs for more content. Send us an email at thefemalepaindocs at gmail if you have any topics in particular you would like us to discuss. You can also visit our website at www.thefemalepaindocs.com. See you next time.